The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, as we discussed last week, four offshore wind farms have won Airgrid's first offshore wind auction. The winners were revealed uh, ahead of today's Wind Energy Ireland Offshore Renewable Energy Conference. Now, I'm joined by environmental advocate and entrepreneur Pierce Flynn, who's going to be speaking at that conference. Pierce, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, we talked to you before and you had some great ambitions for green hydrogen, which would be created using the wind. Where stands that project now? Well, uh, th- there was a change where we've we've moved from being developer-led. So the projects that were announced last week were developer-led projects, okay, which had a route to market, which which is provided by AirGrid. We talked about Ireland having seventy-five gig of renewable energy with a de- with a demand being generous of ten gig for domestic consumption. So loads to export if we captured it all. A- exactly. So the, you know we're either going to uh, export that in the form of electrons or in molecules. So either interconnects or with uh, in okay. hydrogen. You know, so the point is, we've now there was a shift made a few uh, months ago where we moved from being developer led to the government coming in and saying we're going to design the areas where the the offshore wind's going to go, and we're going to map the seabed, we're going to get to all the ecological studies, and we're going to give it to developers. Now that's probably the right thing to do, but it's about five years. They're selling a signal five years down. So, so the government would determine in advance where the locations yes. uh, of offshore wind would be, for yes. example, and then they would again maybe do an auction. Developers, who wants this particular wind farm of fifty turbines? Who wants this one of a hundred turbines? Uh, but you're saying it's too late. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's too late. I'm saying we we really have to get the, the government, and this, this is done in other countries, Pat, where the government. The, the, they go and they map the seabed and then they say to developers, now, here's all the data, you decide how much you want it. For example, in Scotland, they, they bought in 700 million just to, for developers who put down the money to investigate. This was not getting planning permission. This was to investigate. So Ireland really has to, if it's going to be government-led, it really has to uh, change its, mm. its, its style. You know? I suspect, Pierce, that you do not have confidence in the government to run this kind of project. Um, well, history uh, to me um, to do this, we really have to get Ireland's. This is a this is a resource pad. If we treat it like, oh well, we're doing. I heard today that we're going to do single use plastic cups. I mean, the point is, if we're going to just do power offshore wind for Ireland, the point is we're actually ninety percent of the resource is actually available for export. And then we're going to do what so like we did you, with fishing. So are you saying that distro- what, what they're on about, about restricting parking for uh, public servants and single-use cups uh, around government offices, this is Mickey Mouse stuff compared to the big stuff? Because if, if you replace all our carbon with wind... That's big, big stuff. That that changes the face of Ireland's uh, green agenda totally. Uh, completely, Pat. But the, the point is, Ireland needs to be... I think we're in a situation where we're we're got a very positive balance of payments, so we're kind of not looking at this. If we didn't have that, I think we'd be looking at this wind resource and saying, hey, we can monetize this for our kids and our grandkids. Th- that has to be... Pat, we're going to have to, in the way that we had... You know, the, the IDA Enterprise Ireland, where we got the best and the brightest. We're going to need to get the best and the brightest and empower them to make this happen. I, I put it to the Minister last week, uh, Minister Eamon Ryan, that, you know, should we not be doing something like Statoil uh, was created in Norway to exploit their offshore oil and gas resource. And as a result, there's a massive sovereign wealth fund owned by the people of, of Norway. We've got something similar, except unlike oil and gas, this is an eternal resource. It C- renews itself C- constantly. Correct, Pat. But I think there's a great example of you lose Norway and then use the other side of the North Sea, Scotland. 
So Nor- Norway has the, the largest sovereign wealth, sovereign wealth fund in, in the world. And what has Scotland got? In the reality, one didn't use the resource, the other used the resource for the, the long-term good of the country. This wind, as you say, it's there. But people say, well, we can always come back and utilise it. The demand will be used by other people using the wind, right? We won't come along and say, when we suddenly wake up and we suddenly say, okay, now we've got this wind, which you said is it's there perpetual. So the point is, we need to absolutely now use it as a resource, or it'll be like the fishing industry, where actually other people use our resource. Now, it's obviously if they want to use our particular resource, which is off the the west coast and the southwest coast Mm. uh, of our country, um, they have to get a grid connection or else they have to set up some sort of uh, hydrogen generation project at sea. But the interconnection would be so long from out there, the first landfall is Ireland, isn't it? Correct, Correct. I mean, there's six interconnects now between the UK and Europe. One of the largest projects being announced off Scotland is an interconnect for the the, the power to go to Europe. So, you know, I think... What you're saying is that there is such an amount of wind out there and if you project forward to Europe's demand, etc., 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 that someone else will be capable with their windmills of getting into the market, getting the contracts while we're still fiddling. Yes, I mean, we have the second best wind regime outside of Vietnam in the world. That's So, and... All I'm saying is I think our ambition is we just say we want to bring enough offshore wind to solve our domestic consumption. I think it's that's 10% of the resource we really have to change. What happens if the high-tech companies change in five or six years' time? Are we left? If they get a cold, do we get pneumonia? This is a chance for us to build our own wealth for generations and generations. Now, when you look at uh, massive government projects, uh, the paediatric hospital is the one that springs immediately to mind. Uh, Grossly over budget, um, the whole process of deciding where it should be flawed, in my view. (laughs) We're being told now, you know, that people who are public servants, including people in a hospital like that, if they live near public transport, there certainly will be no parking for them. uh, And there isn't any way at that hospital. I suspect that, that, well... You wouldn't have great confidence in the state's ability to do something on this scale. Um, it's not, competence or its abilities. It's Pat in, in business. If you have a big problem, you get your best person on it, and you empower that person to knock down anything they need to make that happen. We have to we have to get our best people. If we just dissolve it and say everybody's responsible for this, it'll never happen. Absolutely, Mara, which was which is the marine regulator doesn't even have a chief executive yet. So if the, so gov- the minister, the- when he was talking to me last week about Mara, uh, and he was saying that first things happen is that these projects go through Mara to get make sure they're viable, and then they go to onboard Planola. Right. But Mara's not even up and functioning properly yet. doesn't have a chief executive, so then it has to get the resources. I mean, I mean now that we've decided we're going to be government-led, they're putting their head above the parapet now because it with the developers the ones that have been signed off already Pat are developer ones where their route to market is through the grid right now we need to say okay if we're going to utilise this resource we need to now the, there was a strategy announced last week by Simon Coveney and that they're going to look at this but you know if we if we as a country if we were giving medals out for press releases you know we'd be gold medals all the time but it's actually about doing it and now the government really has to Stop talking. They've said that they are gonna, they're going to lay it out. And to do that, they need to get with industry. And we can do it. And if we do it properly, Pat, we can actually mm. 
spring ahead, but we won't do it if it's been if it's just uh, civil servants. I'm afraid. Now, what about uh, onboard Planola? We saw a headline over the weekend that fifty uh, percent fewer um, applications were processed by onboard Planola because of a lack of staffing and, of course, other difficulties within the board. I mean, is that board? appropriate to offshore wind. I mean, the stuff will be, once we get out into the ocean, it'll be beyond the horizon. Correct. Obviously, what happens on the seabed in terms of marine life and so on is important. But I don't know if there's any competence within, within on board Planola to look at that. Well, Pat, if you, if you want to make everything perfect, if I want to get everybody to agree before I'll move forward, the race will never start. We'll never win no, any but do race. Do we need a special planning board for offshore? We, Maybe we have, let Mara do the entire job. I would, I would be advocating completely for that. I mean, floating offshore wind where we're, you know, 20, 30 miles off, won't be seen from line of sight from the land. And, you know, we know that, you know, floating isn't even being drilled into the bottom. There's anchors, tethers, of course, and there'll be some marine impact on that. But that can be done really fast. And we just need to operate in a different level than we have been. So your message to government is what? Because governments, um, you know, they trundle along. Uh, I think the, the only time we saw really rapid reactions was at the time of the pandemic, when we shut things down very quickly. We organised uh, you know, inoculations, vaccinations and so on, fairly quickly, we responded to the crisis. Uh, You can't portray this really as a crisis, maybe just an opportunity that may be lost. Well, uh, to be honest, portraying it as a crisis, which everybody says, oh, we've got a climate crisis. But to be honest with you, people, they they all talk the good thing and we, we do the things with the cups. But in reality... I'm saying the way that Ireland needs to look at this is a resource. And if we have, you're absolutely right. When we went after COVID, we changed the laws, gave people power, et cetera, et cetera. If we really believe that this is a resource that we need to do, we need to give people the power to make the 95% the right thing for Ireland. If we want to make 100% the right thing for Ireland, it'll be in Spain, it'll be in Portugal because but, they're but moving we, faster. We do need someone appointed to a position of responsibility that will not change when a government changes, for instance, and that has the knowledge, the competence. I mean, I'm thinking of someone like Eddie O'Connor who would not be interested at this point <laughs> in his life. He's too busy concentrating on the supergrid, yes. uh, which he'd like to see advanced, which is a highly technical uh, problem. But you need someone who knows their onions. Yeah, and you, d- you do absolutely. Somebody like Eddie, you need somebody... And you need to empower them because if you bring in a business and, and you get him to run in treacle, he'll go in and find something else to do. Because the reality, you're absolutely right. We have to get side of the election cycles. This is about you know, the next 20 years for Ireland. This is about, you know, and I think our ambitions that we're going to go to seven gig by 2030. Wow, but that's pretty poor in yeah. terms of ambition. What, what about your own activities? Are you still operating in Ireland or have you moved elsewhere? Well, the, because the, we had we had, we had a... We had a full summer, all our assets utilised in Ireland to help developers, and then the government came along and said, "Well, we're now going to do the um, <laughs> we're now going to do the the mapping." Um, so we had to move our assets. So our assets now are in Scotland and Norway. So you've gone elsewhere. We're supporting. We've got a, we've got a Irish people that we're paying Irish people. And we've got Irish assets, so we're deploying them. But we want to make Ireland successful. That's the reason we're doing it. Pierce Flynn, environmental advocate and entrepreneur, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.